Quick editor's note before we get started. Since we did this interview, my guest in this episode got a new job here at the Department of Energy. What can I say? It's an exciting place to work. Anyway, we still wanted you to hear Chris's story. Just keep in mind that he no longer works for the city of Orlando and is now here at DOE with the new Office of State and Community Energy Programs, a new effort funded through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. Speaking of which, if you're interested in coming to work at DOE, filling out an application for the Clean Energy Corps is a good place to start. You can find that at energy.gov jobs. Okay, here we go. You know, the work that we do, we have a limited amount of time on this planet. And if all of us can really focus our efforts on things that drive purpose and meaning, I think we can have a tremendous positive impact in the world. If you're talking about job security, this is certainly an industry where we need all hands on deck and we'll need so for the foreseeable future. Sustainability is a big issue for cities across America. More and more, local governments are asking, how can we plan for the future? How do we make the best use of our resources? How do we protect our neighbors in the face of natural disasters? And how can we work to stave off the worst effects of climate change? Some cities have taken a proactive approach to solving these problems. Cities like Orlando, Florida, which has an office dedicated to sustainability and resilience. My guest today, Chris Castro, is the director of that office. And he's involved with some really exciting projects that are transforming Orlando's energy, transportation, and communities for the better. You're listening to Direct Current's People-Powered Series. I'm your host, Matt Dozier. Stick around. It's science for the people. This is Direct Current. Well, my name is Chris Castro. I'm here in Orlando, Florida. And I'm the Director of Sustainability and Resilience here at the City of Orlando. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm a second-generation Cuban-American. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, actually uniquely on a palm tree farm that my parents own, and really fell in love with the outdoors and with nature when they started taking us down to the Florida Keys and out to the beach to go surfing on an annual basis. And, And it really just became something that I wanted to contribute to in a positive way. I ended up coming up to Orlando on a full-ride scholarship to study at the University of Central Florida, where I focused my studies on environmental science and policy uh, with a focus on clean energy and sustainability in this transition towards a zero-carbon future. I am a proud dad with a four-year-old daughter named Coraline, living here in Orlando in one of our great neighborhoods known as Audubon Park. How do you explain your job to a family member, somebody who doesn't know anything about that title? I'm the Director of Sustainability and Resilience here at the City of Orlando, and and essentially my role is helping to act as kind of an in-house consultant for the city in in supporting our various departments and our divisions, our city staff, and even the greater community, our various agencies and businesses and partners in transitioning towards a future that's more environmentally friendly, more socially equitable and inclusive, and positioning Orlando to take advantage of the clean energy economy that we know is starting to to thrive here uh, across the country. What does a typical day look like for you on the job? It's kind of a unique challenge and opportunity for us. I can sometimes start out the day thinking about analyzing new rooftop solar projects for the city on our own critical facilities 
and then pivot over to, to, to thinking about how do we expand more electric vehicle charging stations throughout the community and supporting our own city fleet, then to thinking about how to enable policies and building codes to drive more energy efficiency and more building retrofits. So really across the board, I get to work with an incredible team here at the city that are basically in-house consultants. We're specialists that know deep knowledge in sustainability and in clean energy. And we help handhold our departments and our partners throughout the community through this process of moving towards a zero carbon future. Uh, is there anything in particular you've been like really excited about lately uh, in the stuff you've been working on? Everything's really exciting, but I think one of the projects that I'm looking forward to is what's called Resilience Hubs. So across the city, the city has 20 senior and neighborhood centers, and they're situated primarily in Black and Hispanic and low-income household communities. Uh, where where those centers provide kind of these wraparound services. We have the after-school care, we have computer labs, they even acted as kind of schools during the shutdown, and ball fields and a whole bunch of other amenities. And what we're starting to think about is how can we convert these neighborhood centers into these resilience hubs so that the next time Florida gets hit with another hurricane, and let's say our grid goes down, we have an ability to support our residents in an equitable, resilient recovery. And so what we're thinking about is we're adding now equipment that will allow the building to disconnect from the utility grid. Um, We're adding rooftop solar and battery storage We're enhancing the air filtration at these sites. We're adding food, water, ice, and other, you know, storage for other materials and resources to distribute. We're adding community gardens and EV charging stations and ultimately trying to make sure that these centers become places where we can provide mutual aid and resource distribution in times of some type of extreme shock like a hurricane. So these will go from being places where people gather and recreate and, and you know, hold events and that sort of thing to places where they can come in, in times of real dire need. That's correct. Yep. And, and be able to bounce forward uh, and get their families back on their feet and, and hopefully back up and running. Hi, Direct Current listeners. I'm Dr. Rachel Neeler, the Deputy Director for the new DOT-DOE Joint Office of Energy and Transportation. Let me tell you why we're all charged up about our new office and solidifying our DOT and DOE partnership. We're working to electrify transportation through a national convenient, reliable, and equitable electric vehicle charging network that creates jobs and access to EVs for all. For Americans in every pocket of the country, from rural towns to big cities, our new joint office is ready to make it easier than ever to make the transition to EVs. Next stop in our work includes supporting the Federal Transit Administration's Low No Emissions Program and the Environmental Protection Agency's Clean School Bus Program, together investing over $10 billion in clean mobility technologies. Watch us in action at energy.gov BIL. Now, back to the show. How does one become a director of sustainability? How did you, you know, find your way into this line of work? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And it comes at various different you know, pathways. I know some of my peers are engineers and they went through the pathway of understanding kind of the engineering side of the house. I, I was focused on policy and the science side of the thing. So interdisciplinary studies, really understanding the economics, the social aspects, as well as the hard sciences around sustainability. 
And so I think the beauty about this, these roles is that there are several pathways to get into the field of sustainability. There is no one unique degree that you have to be seeking or experience that you have to have. Uh, it's very much open-ended. And the idea is that you want to have a good understanding of systems thinking and, and a good understanding of the various aspects that contribute to some of the challenges that we're facing, whether it's around air pollution and carbon emissions, uh, whether it's around equity and some of the, the disproportionate impacts being faced by communities of color, whether it's about you know the, the changes in our energy system, our transportation systems that are moving uh, towards cleaner sources. So it really takes somebody who's interdisciplinary in their knowledge and in their thinking of this space. You know, I started at the University of Central Florida and I got really passionate as a student organizer, um, starting to put pressure on my president, uh, the university president at the time, to commit to carbon neutrality. And following that exercise, I started to get really interested in advanced biofuels and how we can use uh, algae, as an example, as a source of energy that could replace traditional diesel and gasoline. And so I did my undergraduate research study on carbon capture and growth, taking flue gas emissions from power plants and cement factories and, and paper mills and trying to clean those emissions by growing the next generation of fuels. Uh, and that actually led me to getting a two-year work study at the U.S. Department of Energy in the EERE, the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Office. So while I was a student, I got to really understand at the national level what DOE was doing in our federal national laboratories like NREL and Sandia and Nettle and these different labs that were actually researching different algae strands to, to do the same thing, to, to convert those into fuel properties that would allow us to eliminate diesel. Uh, and that, that experience really got me completely sold on the fact that the rest of my life, the rest of my career will be focused on making this transition towards a 100% clean and renewable energy future for all. Do other cities have similar roles to yours or, or similar kind of offices that, that have yes. basically career opportunities for somebody who's interested in a similarly, you know, sustainable career path? 100%. I'd say, you know, look to local government as one of the options for your career. It's not something that I considered when I was going through my studies or even when I graduated, but it landed in my lap and it was an opportunity for me to help shape the clean energy strategy for Orlando. And to me, that was an opportunity of a lifetime. There's a huge network of cities and counties across the country that are now prioritizing sustainability and resilience and have created offices to advance this same work. And so we're part of a group called the Urban Sustainability Directors Network, USDN for short, which is this network made up of our peers that are working on advancing clean energy strategies in our communities around, around America. What do you like most about your job? I love that I get to work with an incredible and diverse group of people every single day. I work very closely with our facilities energy manager and our engineers on specifically the details of installing rooftop solar on our fire stations or our emergency operations center. I then get to work very closely with our legislative director on state and federal policy. And then I get to work with our elected leaders and engage them and briefing them about various policies and programs that we're trying to enable to accelerate towards uh, more zero carbon 
technology. So for me, it's the diversity of the people who I get to work with and the diversity of the types of projects I get to work on um, that keep me excited and they keep me focused on advancing this effort in Orlando and beyond. Obviously, you are you are keenly aware and, and focused on the impact that the work your your office is doing to improve the lives of the people of Orlando. How does it make you feel when you see those impacts coming to fruition? Whether it's you know installing solar panels or you know building out these resilience hubs uh, in, in a way that actually makes a tangible impact on people's lives. Well, you know, for me, and when I look at my career as I move forward, making a positive impact in other people's lives or a positive impact in the planet is what drives me every single day. There's been opportunities to get paid more or opportunities to get better benefits over here. And ultimately, the reason why I've stayed in my role is because the work that we're doing has very tangible impacts on people, especially those that are least fortunate in addressing things like energy burden or transportation issues or even food insecurity, developing these resilience hubs and knowing that these neighborhood centers are gonna be providing resources and mutual aid to those that need it most in these times. To me, that gives me purpose and meaning. And, and I think that's one of the most important things for all of us to think about. You know, The work that we do, we, we have a limited amount of time on this planet. And if all of us can really focus our efforts on things that drive purpose and meaning, I think we can have a tremendous positive impact in the world. And, and so it comes down to passion, to patience, and to persistence in the work that I do every day to accelerate this effort. At DOE, we help you build your clean energy future, literally and figuratively. I'm Holly Carr, Director of the Solar Decathlon Program at DOE. We're celebrating 20 years of Solar Decathlon with two new workforce development programs, Solar Decathlon professionals will train practicing architects and engineers to design zero energy buildings. And Solar Decathlon Pathways will connect high school students with Solar Decathlon alumni to highlight clean energy careers. Plug in at solardecathlon.gov. For others who are interested in pursuing a similar career path, first, do you see this as a lifelong career? And can you talk a little bit about kind of the career path and, and you know, the pay, benefits, stability, that sort of thing of somebody who, you know, is working in this type of field? There's no doubt that the transition to a clean and renewable energy future is the greatest economic and job creation opportunity of the 21st century. It's our ability to build wealth for our families is really rooted in this opportunity for us to make this pivot uh, towards clean energy. And, and so, so yeah, there, there's a, a tremendous amount of, I think, benefits that come from that. These jobs in the clean energy economy are often high wage, great benefits. And, and ultimately, there's stability because this is something that's quickly evolving on a daily basis, right? And so if one position doesn't uh, seem like a good fit, maybe it's focused on retrofitting buildings, there are tremendous other opportunities, whether it's in solar or in wind or electric vehicles or in, in, you know, in energy storage and other really emerging technologies that, that are providing a pathway for high wage, high wealth job opportunities. Uh, and, and the beautiful thing about it is that there seems to be a keen 
intention on being diverse and trying to bring in communities of color into the picture to ensure that all people have the same opportunities of benefiting from this revolution that we're, that we're undergoing. So I do think that, you know, if you're thinking about a career path, think about sustainability and clean energy, because it's something that we're going to need, we're going to need to work on literally for decades to come. And, and so if you're talking about job security, this is certainly an industry where we need all hands on deck and we'll need so for the foreseeable future. Any advice for somebody who is potentially seeking that type of career, whether it's, you know, in the kind of role that you play or, you know, something that is, like you said, more part of the broader clean energy economy? Yeah, I think that there's a tremendous amount of ways to plug into sustainability and clean energy. First of all, I often tell people that you should look in your own communities to think about what professionals, organizations, and associations you want to start to get involved in. Everything from ASHRAE to USGBC to the Urban Land Institute to local Sierra clubs of the world. These are fantastic organizations that help you find your tribe. They help you find other individuals that are that are similarly interested in this movement and allow you to make some connections that you may or may not have been able to do so on your own. So find th- those local organizations and volunteer your time. The vast majority of the work that I've done to get to this role has been not paid. It's been completely donating my time, volunteering my time to get the experience that's needed to set myself apart from somebody else who just has another degree. And so outside of my own work, I'm very active in the nonprofit community. I've created a number of nonprofit organizations myself, and my whole purpose is try to get people to get hands-on experiences in sustainability so that they can tangibly see and feel and participate in making a positive difference. And what I've seen is once you get hands-on, all of a sudden this paradigm shift takes over and you realize the importance of needing to make this pivot, this this complete transition in our own daily lives, but also in our own career paths. Last question, what has this job meant for you and for your life and your family? This job, as I mentioned before, gives me purpose and meaning. Um, You know, I have a four-year-old daughter and I've been in this movement for about 15 years working diligently, but it wasn't until she was born when this became very visceral, when it became very tangible that the work that I was doing was going to be laying the foundation for what she's going to pick up and continue to chart forward as she grows. And I think it's just made me realize that every single person plays a role in advancing a better future. And it made me realize that I don't have to be somebody who has a PhD or decades of experience to make an impact in the world. That ultimately, uh, as long as you're passionate, you're patient, and you're persistent to achieve your goal, um, that all of us can make an impact. And I'm hopeful that other people are realizing that now is the time to get involved. Now is the time, if there was ever a moment, for us all to question how we can contribute to a future that drives clean energy and climate action. And, and so hopefully this story can shed some light and inspiration to others wanting to get in the field. Chris Castro, the city of Orlando, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks. That's all for this episode of Direct Current. Thank you to my guest, Chris Castro. You can find out more about the latest developments in Orlando's sustainability efforts in our show notes. Those are at energy.gov slash podcast. 
Thanks to Holly Carr and Dr. Rachel Neeler for lending their voices, and to Anne-Marie Horowitz, Michael Stewart, and our intern, Isabel Hamilton, for their assistance on this episode. Subscribe to Direct Current on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to hear more episodes in our People-Powered series. Direct Current is produced by me, Matt Dozier. Sarah Harmon creates original artwork for all of our episodes. This is a production of the U.S. Department of Energy and published from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening.